My last sermon uh, a few weeks ago was about the meekness of Jesus Christ during this Easter season. And I stand in awe of King Jesus during the Easter season because He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no, none other beside Him. He is the fairest of 10,000. He's the owner of a thousand uh, cattle hills out there. He owns it all. He created it all. He holds all things together by His power and by His grace. And yet, He came to this earth to die on the cross for my sins, for your sins. And it is the meekness of Christ. It is His power to, to restrain that power. As we talked about meekness, you know you have the power to do something, but you refrain from that. And we saw the meekness of Jesus Christ, and now we are going to continue to see the meekness of Jesus on display. In John chapter 19, we're going to pick up the story. He's standing before Pilate now. And he's displaying his meekness once again. John chapter 19, verse 1 says, Then then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews! They mocked as they slapped him across the face. God of all creation, the one who breathed life into us, the one who created us, the one who made all things, and the Word of God says it was good. He's standing before Pilate, being mocked, being slapped. Before we lift our hands and praise to our Savior, we will do this today. We've done it. We will do it in, in celebration Next, uh, next week for Easter. But before we lift our hands in praise, we must bend our knee and remember how it all happened. Before we get to the point where we rejoice over the victory on the cross, before we acknowledge the grave and God's great power, we must take the time and we cannot forget the devastating events that led to our victory. Now, this moment is not here to bring us guilt. We sang that powerful song, no guilt, no shame, no curse, no change. Oh, wow, I rejoice over what God has done for us, that I can walk this earth guilt-free, that I can walk this earth without shame. I don't have to walk with the scarlet letter. You don't have to walk around proclaiming your mistakes. You don't have to walk around down because you've done bad things in your life. Oh no, you can walk knowing that you're loved by God. You can walk around knowing that God loves you and He cares for you. And in these moments that I'm going to take, just in the beginning here of this message, it's not about guilt. God doesn't want you to have guilt. Guilt is that feeling that you have because you feel like there is there's nothing that can be done for the wrongs that you've done. There's nothing. You, you shut the door of forgiveness. You shut it all out. There's nothing to be done. I feel so guilty. God doesn't want us to feel guilty. God does not want us to walk in shame. He doesn't want us to walk with our head down. That is not the intention of this message. 
But when I recognize all that Jesus has done for me, when I take in and begin to understand the details of what happened, I, I know, you know, my wife, she got her, her hair done the other day, and I made the sad mistake of not noticing right away. She wants to know, did you notice? They fixed my hair. <laughs> Pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the details. I have a beautiful wife, but I can tell you this. My Savior, beauty far outweighs me. The beauty of Jesus Christ is beyond comprehension. So do you think we should pay attention to the details? And that is what I want to do this morning. I want to pay attention to the details of this moment that is difficult. It is horrific, but there is so much beauty in it. Let me begin with the lead-tipped whip. I want to begin there. The lead-tipped whip represents my punishment for disobedience. That whip was there. And it was there because we disobeyed God. It was my actions that brought pain to others. Jesus made everything perfect. He made a world for you and I to live in so that we did not suffer. He did not invent crime. He did not invent sickness. He didn't invent problems. He invented perfection. He made it and all things were good. And then he gave us one rule. He says, don't touch this tree. But our human nature wouldn't allow us to ignore the tree. And then Satan came and deceived us. And we took and we disobeyed God. We disobeyed his commandment. We said, I think I want to experience what you're saying I cannot experience. We disobeyed our Savior. I still remember the, the first time uh, Alexandra disobeyed me. She was so cute, just two years old, in the middle of Target. And I was letting her play with some toys there. And I said, Alexandra, it's time you got to put the toys back. And she said, no. I knew in that moment, because I had told her a few times, I took her hand and I slapped that hand. And then I went, oh no. She, well, she started to cry. But, and then I went, oh no, the cameras. We got to get out of here. <laughs> I have a crying child. I slapped her hand. I could tell you that that was the only time I ever had to slap her hand. I was spanked. I had the belt. I, I, had, I got spanked. I've never had to do that to Alexandra. Because at a very young age, I taught her that disobeying, there's consequences for disobeying. There's consequences for disobeying. I had to teach my child, when you disobey, there are consequences. You cannot just disobey God and expect nothing in return. You cannot just disobey and negate the laws of God and expect a life to go on as is and expect, you, expect to enjoy a life and that lead-tipped whip reminds us today that there were consequences for our disobedience. We took the beauty of creation, and we took the beauty of our lives, and we made a mess. We deserved to be punished for our disobedience, but King Jesus didn't punish us. He took that punishment upon himself. We deserved that lead-tipped whip. We disobeyed not Christ, 
that He took it for us. The crown of thorns. The crown of thorns was also meant for us. Jesus deserved a crown of glory, not one of pain. But He was our sacrifice, so He had to take it all. The crown of thorns represents my rebellion over God's authority. My rebellion over God's authority. It symbolizes our attempt to take authority over God. But that is not possible. And yet we try. We try to do that. We try to take authority over God. We try to tell Him, this is what I'm doing, and you can't stop me. This is how I'm going to live my life, and no one is going to tell me different. This is how I'm going to talk, and this is how I'm going to act. I know what your word says, but you don't understand my life and what I'm going through. I am going to take authority. I am going to live my life. And when we seek to rule, it only brings pain. That crown of thorns represents our feeble attempt to rule our own life. But in so doing, we bring pain and suffering because there was no doubt the crown of thorns that they placed upon Christ brought pain, blood, it brought devastation to his head. But it represented our attempt to rule our life without God. And of course, there are people that will say, I'm just doing fine ruling my life without God. I don't need the Bible. I don't need prayer. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to listen and look at my life. It is wonderful. But making our own decisions without God may appear for moments that you have power and you have the authority. But the day will come when truth will be revealed. The day will come when that crown of thorns and the blood You'll recognize it and you'll feel that pain. But Jesus took our crown of thorns upon his head. He took our foolishness so that, we, so that he could destroy it. He did not throw our foolishness in our face, but he threw it to the ground to destroy it. And I pray today that we will declare that, God, I, I, I don't want to be foolish anymore. I don't want to try to figure out my life anymore. I don't want to rule my life anymore. How many of you have been in that place where you've understood and you've had that realization that without God, I can do nothing. Without the Lord, nothing good can come out of my life. Without His salvation, without His mercy, without His grace, I am lost. I am blind. I am helpless. I am sick. Without the Lord, I pray that you understand that today. That's what the Easter story is about. When you look at Christ and you see the pain that he is suffering, that was our pain. And may we recognize that pain today. Finally, they placed a purple robe on him and they mocked him and they slapped him on the face. The purple robe represents our attempt to find beauty without God. That purple robe represents, it's our attempt. We're trying to find beauty. We all are. We all are. Even in, our, even in today's world where there's a lot of evil and there's a lot of, a lot of distortion, even in the, the distortion and even in evil, they're trying to, to find something that they want. That they're, just, they're looking for beauty. They're looking for completion. They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for something to make them feel good, accepted, they're looking for that affirmation. And that purple robe represents our attempt to find beauty without God. And are we not seeing that in our world today? Are we not seeing that so clearly defined and so clearly painted 
before us today. The canvas of our world shows us that in our world and in our country, we can see that without God, there is no ultimate beauty. In our, in our country today, we keep pumping millions and billions of dollars into the economy, and it's not being fixed. We keep building prisons, and we keep hiring more police officers, but crime isn't stopping. We keep educating and promoting education, and we keep writing books upon books and conferences upon conferences. We keep doing all of these things, and yet there is deep divide in families, and there's depression that crushes people's lives. We keep doing all of these things, and we keep passing laws, and we keep debating over cases, and we keep trying to put things into place. But the more we do these things, the more of a mess we are creating. And things would be a lot worse, but God did not leave us alone. Have we, have we not seen what we are capable of doing without God? Without His help, without His direction, without His word, without His insight, without His help in our life. We deserved to be mocked because we thought we could live life without God. We thought that we could look at God and say, God, you made all these things. Now let us show you, God, how this world functions. Let us show you, God, what this world was meant for. Let us show you, God, why you created these things. We deserve to be mocked because we were mocking God. We deserve to be slapped for thinking that we could live in this world without God's instructions. We are being mocked today. All around us is mockery. But I want to tell you today, it was never in the interest of Christ for us to be mocked. It, was, it didn't make Christ feel good to see you and I being mocked as we tried to figure out this life without His help. Oh no, it broke His heart. Christ came to this world and He took upon Him our own mockery, our mockery. He wore that purple robe that mocked him. That's why they placed it on him. They were mocking him. When we look at Christ standing there with the crown of thorns, being whipped, wearing a purple robe, I pray that you will say, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Praise be to God, my Lord and my Savior, who is worthy to be praised. He is worthy of all glory and honor. And so King Jesus, he's standing there, and he's in Pilate's jurisdiction. I wanted to share this really quick. This Friday, I talked just really quick about the electric whip and, and the crown of thorns and the purple robe. This Friday, I want to talk about the cross and what that represents. Come this Friday at 6 as we talk about the cross. But here is Jesus standing in Pilate's jurisdiction. And let me pick up verse 4. It says, Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priest and the temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourself! Crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. 
Then the, Jew, the Jewish leaders replied, But our law, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. Just for a few moments, I want to look at Pilate. Sometimes I think Pilate just becomes like wall before to the Easter story. He's just kind of there. You put him up there because, you know, it's Easter, so you, you put up Pilate, you, you look at him. But I want, he's more than wall decor here. He's more than somebody that's just a part of the story. He's, he is, a Pilate is a witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. Let me explain that. You see, Pilate, Pilate was a smart individual who could evaluate information. The reason why you know that is because he was, he was the equivalent to a mighty general of today. When you see these mighty generals on TV, you see them decorated. You know they didn't get there by popularity only. You know that they served, and they gave, and they led men. They led them into battle. Those medallions and those medals that they wear on their chest represent a hard life that they lived, but they conquered, they overcame. And I honor and I respect our generals who have died, who, who have led men and who, who protect us. And the same was true for Pilate. You see, Rome was the world. There was nothing more powerful than Rome. They were the world. And Pilate was one mighty man in the Roman world. Pilate was smart and he could evaluate information. And that's what it takes to win on the battlefield. You cannot be so conceited that you're not able to evaluate information and to be smart. And Pilate, he knew something was going on. Why were these religious leaders coming to me? Why were these religious leaders that they don't like me? They're not on my side. They're not for me. They want me out of here. They, they want this land that I am dominating. He understood that what, that what they wanted. He understood that, they, that Pilate was no friend of theirs. So why were they coming to him? Why were they coming to Pilate? And he knew also that Jesus was no madman making crazy statements. He knew that this was not a man like Barabbas who was a rebellious man trying to cause riots. He was not a crazy man. He was not outside his mind. He could tell. He, he, he was able to understand that he was talking to a man of authority. And the Bible says that when Jesus spoke, they recognized that he had an authority unlike other people. And I guarantee you that here was this Roman mighty soldier that was understanding this man has authority. I know I'm looking at a man that has a crown of thorns, and I'm looking at a man who's being mocked, but he has authority. He had to evaluate that. He couldn't negate that. He couldn't push that to a side. That's how you lose a battle when you begin to when you, when you begin to push the facts underneath the carpet. That's how you lose a battle. He couldn't deny the fact that when Jesus spoke, he had authority. And then finally, verse 8 is there. You, I read it to you. you, you see, you, verse 8 says that the religious leaders finally tell Pilate why they are there. Because Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. 
was right there. It was clear. It was declared. He claimed to be the Son of God. Therefore, we need to get rid of him. He's trying to ruin our way of life. He's trying to take over our system. He's trying to ruin us. He claimed to be the Son of God. And right there, that's all Pilate needed to know. To believe who Jesus was. That's all he needed to know. Pilate is a witness to the truth of the gospel. So Pilate begins to fear the Lord. He begins to fear the Lord. I can't imagine what that under these circumstances, why did Pilate have to fear a detainee? Why did he have to be frightened over a man who's been beaten? Why did he have to fear a man who was in his jurisdiction, who was had no sword, who had no army, who had nothing behind him? Pilate was able to evaluate that information, and he knew, he knew that he was the Son of God. So verse 9 says, he took Jesus back into the headquarters again, and he asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And when I read this, I don't sense arrogance. I sense compassion. Don't you realize I can help you? I know who you are. I can help you. I've got the power to release you. And Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. Pilate's reached the point. He's, he's, made his, he's made his conclusion. His mind is made up. Nothing can change him. Jesus, whipped, bloodied, beaten, mocked with the purple robe around him, stands before Pilate. And Pilate knows who he is. He's the Son of God. And eventually, and I, what I, I didn't read this to you, but eventually he washes his hands. This powerful man feared Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today, if Pilate can fear the Lord, if Pilate can stand in awe of Jesus in these circumstances, you and I should fear the Lord with all of our hearts. You and I should seek to love Him and serve Him and accept Him into our life. You and I should say, Lord, here am I. I'm willing to serve You. We should be able to sing the song, I need Thee. I need Thee every hour. I need Thee. Bless me now, my Savior, for I come to You. I need thee more than anything. I need you more than anyone. I want you more than anyone. I need you in my life. And then Peter, and then, and then Jesus makes this statement to Peter. He says, Pilate, I want you to know you would have no power over me unless it had been given to you. Jesus was not there to conquer the Romans. Wasn't there to overthrow the Jewish leaders' way of living necessarily? Wasn't there to take their place, their seat in the synagogue? He wasn't there to to become their great leader in their system. No, Jesus came to die on the cross for us. He had all power 
He had all power and authority to take over the Roman world. He had all power and authority to crush them. He had all power and authority. And I believe there were times, the Bible says he was tempted in all ways. And I believe there was great temptation, obviously, on the cross. And they said, Lord, come down from the cross and we will believe you. Wow, what a temptation. But Jesus came, overcame all temptation. He wasn't there to wow the people. He wasn't there to impress them. He was there to save them. He was there to save you. He was there to save me. He was there to offer you forgiveness. He was there to offer you a guilt-free way of life. He was there to offer us a way of peace. He was there to give us a life in the midst of darkness. And there are people in our world today who continually mock God. There are people who mock what He has done. And they say, my life is fine. I don't need the Lord. I don't need to follow Him. I don't need the Bible. I don't need Jesus. The day will come when death will mock you. And death will mock us all. Death will mock us. You you can live. You can live in, in the abundance of life. You can live rich. You can live happy all the days of your life without Jesus. Yes, that is possible. But the day will come when death will mock you and laugh at you. But death will laugh and say, you thought you were cute in this world, now you are mine. But we know that Jesus Christ, He did not give Himself into defeating the Romans that day because He wanted to defeat death. And the only way to defeat death, the only way to give us hope was to take the lead tip whip and to take the crown thorns and to allow the purple robe to be placed on him. And in so doing, he conquered death. And in so doing, he conquered our pain and our sorrow so that even death itself will be conquered in our life. And we can declare, if Jesus Christ can stand before Pilate, crown of thorns being whipped with a purple robe. If he can stand before Pilate, you and I can stand in any circumstance and stand strong upon the Word of God. We can stand strong in any circumstance. We can embrace anything that comes our way. We can take on whatever is after us, whatever is here that is trying to tempt us, whatever is trying to destroy us, whatever is trying to depress us. We can stand upon the Lord today, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love the story because Nebuchadnezzar thought he had power over them. And he told them, you needed to bow before me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, no. But we want you to know, even if the Lord doesn't save us from your punishment, we want you to know we're still not going to bow our knee to you. And you know what? God did not save them from the fire. God allowed them to be thrown into the fire. But it was in the fire that Nebuchadnezzar became aware of the power of God. It was in the fire that the conquering of death was proclaimed. It was a picture of the conquering of death because if you throw somebody into a fiery furnace, they die. But that day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace and they did not die, but they danced and they rejoiced with the Lord and they came back out. And they were, they were, it, was a, it, was, it was a picture of what Christ was going to do for us. You see, if we're thrown into a sickness, 
We don't have to re- we don't have to be depressed over that sickness. If we're thrown into a difficult situation, we don't have to lose hope. If we lose all things, if we're whatever we're tossed into in life, that is where that is where we find the power of God. That is where we stand strong upon His promises. That is where the truth of the gospel becomes real. And it is, that is what Jesus has given to us. He has given us that power to turn every curse into a blessing. He's given us that power instead of being a victim to be a victor. He's given us that power instead of being knocked down to be lifted up. The Lord is here. I'm going to invite the worship team to come at this time. He is here and He wants us to stand strong. This morning, I pray you're willing to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He's worthy to be praised. He is worthy of our glory and honor. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy to be served. He is King Jesus, who took our punishment for disobedience, our attempt to rule over him. He took that upon himself. We should have been mocked. Instead, he was mocked for us. So may we stand upon the Lord today. May we stand upon His Word today. May we live for Him. May we follow Him all the days of our lives. Would you stand this morning? You're there online. Maybe you want to stand and make an adjustment, but but God is for you. He loves you today. We're going to sing a song of consecration. We're going to consecrate that message now to the Lord. Father, pray by Your Spirit. As we take in the Easter story once again, we recognize what has happened, what has taken place, what we have done. Lord, as we, may we be like Pilate today. May we take in the information around us. May we see that without you, we are hopeless. That without your word, we are lost. Without you, we will never be complete. We will never be affirmed. We will never, Lord, our search will never end. But in you, Lord, we will have life and that more abundantly. Help us to take that information in today. Help us to be like Pilate. That we'll do everything in our power to love you, to serve you. Jesus, speak to our hearts today. Speak to our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray, as we worship you and I. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship.